If you're talking sports, it's the matchup. Mickey Hubert Zizzy, yeah, we cutting it up. Just a couple athletic enthusiasts. You know what it is, the Mickey Zizzy Podcast. Welcome back, everybody. And you know what episode it is. It is episode 26. And for those of you that have been keeping track, congratulations. However, I don't think it's really that easy because we all know that the last episode was still the mark of the quarter century. So, stick with us. We're going to keep bringing you content. I'm excited to be back. I'm sorry for the longer wait. We Everybody's been dealing with some crazy stuff in the last few days, weeks, whatever's been going on. But let me introduce the main man himself, Mickey James Hines. Welcome to the show, big guy. We're back. How you doing? It's another great day here in Iowa, and the sun was shining today. It was a great mood. I'm excited to talk some baseball, as typically our podcast is not a baseball podcast, but you got to talk about the World Series champions. Shout out Christian Panda Perez, his favorite team, the Los Angeles Dodgers, were your World Series champions. We'll talk about that, and of course, we'll go back in time like we typically like to do and talk some week six. I got some hot takes today. Oh, Hot fire. Okay, now before we get into it, though, I got to ask. I was slacking all day. I can't lie, Mickey. I was slacking. I didn't charge my phone all the way. So the charger is plugged in right now. Can you still hear me clearly? Oh, of course I can. Okay. All right. Then we are good to go. Other than that, where do you want to start? You want to talk baseball? You want to talk football? You want to go baseball? I would like to talk about that Dodgers team. L.A. is title down this year. They both won a championship in the NBA and MLB within the day of Sam Hunt, almost, just about. Uh, (laughs) Very cool to see L.A. being back on top for the Dodgers. It's been a long time coming. First World Series win since 1988. Now, I'm sorry. I wasn't even alive yet, and neither was our friend Panda. So that was really cool to see. Seeing Mookie Betts win a championship, that's always nice. And playoff Kershaw is one bad pitcher. He is one bad man. So it was really cool to see that as well. Yes. Um, you know, there's a, there's so many storylines, honestly, with this World Series. And, you know, I am one of those people. Like, I played baseball for a long time, everybody. Like, I played baseball my entire life growing up all the way till about sophomore year in high school. And the only reason I stopped is because I got injured. So. I, I love baseball, but I will say it's it's not the easiest sport to watch for the entire game. I mean, nine innings straight, it really can be slow paced sometimes. But this World Series had headlines, and it was exciting. Uh, if anybody watched the end of Game Four, like if you're with me, oh my goodness! Uh, I mean, there was so much going on. But yes, at the end of it, we're sitting and we're talking about the Dodgers ending a 32 year droughtless championship streak. It is now over. They are the champs. They are, um, I will correct you, it actually is, yes, the second world championship for the city of Los Angeles in the same month. And it might be even the third because didn't the Sparks win two or something like that? I don't know. Or maybe that was before. That was that might have been a previous year. But either so, even so, I know our man Magic Johnson is living happy right now as an owner of so many franchises. And just, I don't know. It's crazy to think about, but let's get to the storyline. So first, I want to congratulate my Rays. I've got two personal um, – there's two people on there that I personally knew. Uh, one, Shane McClanahan, d- to become the first pitcher in MLB history to make his debut in the playoffs and then to pitch in the World Series. I mean, I was playing T-ball with this guy and then growing up and playing on all-star teams. with like, shout-out to Shane McClanahan, Sugar Shane on Twitter. Um, the, the, like that blew my mind just to watch. And then again, the catcher, Mike Zanino, I mean, playing on my older brother's baseball team in high school to get to watch him hit home runs and do the things that he did in the playoffs and push them to the world series. It's just, it's remarkable. It's crazy to see that. So also, of course, the Tampa Bay Rays being my favorite baseball team, we did not have the budget to be there. I don't care what anybody says. The Dodgers have the best budget in baseball as far as payroll goes to their players. So, yes, they should win. But for the Braves to make it the way that they did, I, I, hats off to them. I, I, I was so ecstatic for them to do the things that they did, especially at the end of game four. Um, but 
let's talk about the champs. Los Angeles. Um, what does it mean to be a Los Angeles fan right now? You got the Dodgers winning. You got the Lakers winning a few weeks ago. Clayton Kershaw, like you said, gets his first title and maybe gets a little bit of that monkey off of his back that everybody had on him in the playoffs. I mean, I mean, where do you want to start, Mickey? There's so much to talk about here, man. Oh, no, you're hitting a lot of the points, and I think this is just going to be a good little segment on talking about baseball. I think it was really good for the sport, first of all, to complete the entire season. So I want to say shout-out to MLB. I know we had some problems. We are talking about – Yeah, I will say – make it. I'm now officially wrong on a hot take. I said we wouldn't even make it past the fourth week of the season. I remember that all the way back in – Back, I don't even remember the episode number, but it was early on in the podcast. And you know what? They proved me wrong, guys. They really went all, they went the full distance, even with postponements, cancellations, people still testing, but they figured it out. So uh, it is what it is. But yes, I, I was definitely wrong. <laughs> shocker there that you're wrong. Yeah, no shocker, I should really say. Um, you being wrong on the show is a common. Thing to be happening, but uh, I do want to talk about Kershaw. I mean, watching just baseball, seeing him, I mean, I love his hair and he has that (laughs) tenacity of a good pitcher. And like you said, it was really good just to see him win. I think everyone, um, kind of like seeing that, seeing Kershaw win one, but uh, really cool for the Dodgers to uh, win this World Series. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, like. I, I don't know. It could have went a lot of ways. I personally, especially as a Tampa Bay Rays fan, like there's going to always be these questions, and I've been seeing them on ESPN lately and stuff, but like these questions about analytics versus the eye test and what you see. Um, and that game six, I mean, Blake Snell is dealing, man. I, I <laughs> he per- was. Personally, like I get it. It shows statistically that he falls off after 75 pitches, but you're 73 pitches in and six innings through a World Series game. Like, you can't get more dominant. You got to let the man go, in my opinion. I mean, people step up when, like, big-time players make big-time plays in big-time games. I've always said that, always believed that, and he was dealing through six innings. So uh, I I don't like that decision to pull him. I think that's what cost the Rays the series at the end. But... Um, aside from that, like you said, the Dodgers, they went out. They paid the people to get them on the team. They had the management to make the right decisions, especially with something like seeing the trends that Kershaw had in the playoffs and being able to pull him out when he was still on top before he hit his downslope. Anything like that. Just the small things make a big difference, and you see that with the Rays' decision to take out Blake Snell. But like, who you have to make the right decisions all the time to win. And they made the right decisions. They paid the right people. They had the best team. And they handled a shortened season the best. I mean, Mookie Betts is now a two-time champ with two different teams. Clayton Kershaw finally gets a World Series ring. And now, which in my opinion, could be arguably the best regular season pitcher of all time. Now, obviously, the ERA doubles when he gets to the playoffs. But, I mean... I don't know. It's pitching, man. It's it's unpredictable. Like I, I got friends that are pitchers. Shout out uh, Greeny, but I, I it's it, I know it's hard. And these are the best of the best. So I mean, it is what it is. He still was able to perform uh, great and have two shut basically dominant wins in the in the World Series this year. Um, so I, I mean, I can't. The only thing I can talk bad about the Dodgers right now really is the fact that they beat my race. Like other than that, it was like I mean power to him and the fact is i will say it one more time i know people like to somehow make it a coincidence but how does everything that happens with la right now have to somehow still relate to kobe bryant it's been 32 years kobe bryant's two numbers were eight and 24 ladies and gentlemen i just want to put that together oh i do think that is funny i'm seeing all the little things that add up to 24 using the number eight and whatnot so that is very cool (laughs) But also, I do have two more takes on this, and that being uh, the first one with the Blake Snell, the Rays pitcher, and he was dealing. You were correct, and I'm a big numbers guy. I think anyone who listens to this podcast, I am. You're one of the numbers are my life, guys. I've known, so like, I'm actually interested to see. Like, do you support the decision based on historical trend, or are you a guy that this is the biggest stage in baseball to me? Like, if somebody's performing at that level. Sometimes you can't let the numbers dictate it. I know, like, numbers are obviously everything in a way, but 
I just, I don't know. I feel like on certain stages, it has to be a feel. Yeah, and that's the point I was going to get. I'm a big numbers guy. I'm always behind it. But in this scenario, the World Series, you're down in the series. You cannot pull out your pitcher who was dealing at the time. He was dealing with some blackjacks out there. Was really um, having a good game, and you pull him out just based on the statistics, which I, I get. You know, I love the movie Moneyball. I see it's back on Netflix. I'm going to watch it again because I love just I the actually watch part it. of it. Great. So, yes, yes, absolutely. So, I mean, I disagree with what the Rays management did by taking him out. I think they should have left him in until a big play happened because I think, what, it was two pitches late or something like that? It was a big hit. Yeah, the, we put in Anderson and he yeah. got rocked for a homer like three pitches later. Rocked for a dinger. Yeah, and like, right then and there, that's why the pulling that pitcher out, Blake Snell, was such a big deal was because now a dinger was hit, and if he was in, that probably doesn't happen. You know, but according to their analytics, it does, which they were relying that on all year based on the numbers. But uh, I think, like you said, in the World Series, in the biggest stage of baseball, you need to play your best player, let the playmakers play, big-time players make big-time plays, and I want my best athlete, my best player on the field at the time of when the game matters the most. Yeah, I mean, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, when it comes down to it, you have your best players for a reason. It doesn't matter what position they play. And pitching, I mean, it's the most important position. I feel like the pitcher is the one that's controlling the entire tempo of the game. And, I mean, I can't say anything. I wasn't there. I can't feel the atmosphere. But it just seemed they took Blake Snell out. And like you said, it was a few pitches later, and the entire feeling of the game changed. And I just just feel like you have to – be able to as the manager that's one of those times where you don't go with the analytics like those are the hard decisions that you have to make as a manager and that's why i'm saying the dodgers made the more they made the more correct decisions throughout the entire series and that's why they won so power to them now i will say actually because it is interesting and it's just just a random thought the big, another big headline at the end of this whole world, world series was the fact that justin turner yep. Test positive for COVID and gets pulled from the game. Don't get me wrong. Gets pulled from the game. He had already been out there basically for, what, seven innings? I don't know. Whatever it is. And then he's seen out celebrating with everybody. He's kissing people on taking pictures. I don't know if you've seen all those. But, like, what? what is – what's your take on that? No, yeah, that was my final take about this because it is the last thing remaining in baseball that the Dodgers and the Rays have to self-quarantine because of Justin Turner's positive COVID test. But I want to know something here, Zizi. How you, that being a national, not you, but the uh, MLB, a professional sports uh, league, lets a COVID-19 test come positive in the middle of a game. Oh, yeah, wait, I know, finally I know. just got the results back. Uh, you're in the eighth inning. Sorry, you got to pull him. He tested positive. At that time, a lot of his team- teammates are probably screwed. Some of the players on the race are probably screwed. And people are like, oh, why is he kissing his girlfriend or so-and-so or whoever would make the wife, et cetera. Um, she probably already got it because they probably live together and they probably, you know, been doing that off of the field and whatnot. Like, she probably has it as well, okay? And I think at that point, like, you let them celebrate together. All right, if they all get it, they all get it. Like, they knew the what they are going into, and he tested positive. You're going to let him sit off to the side, not be in the team picture after. Kids dream about running onto the field, running onto the court after winning a World Series championship, NBA championship. You don't want to miss out on that based on a positive test that came in the middle of your game. Now, I would understand if it was before the game. Sorry, Justin Turner's out. Everyone else t- uh, tested negative. Justin Turner's got to sit out, not even show up to the stadium. That is perfectly okay because they caught it before. But in the middle, when everyone's already been exposed, I'm sorry, but, like, at that point, you just let the guy play. And, you know, it might come back as a false positive. And then, you know, you really look back like, wow, we really screwed that guy out of, you know, two innings to be playing in the World Series, the biggest game in baseball. So I think it's at that point, you know, you let him do whatever. I know the sensitivity of this topic and the situation is huge. And I'm not saying like, oh, if you have it, go and do whatever. But like at the time and moment and the situation of being in the World Series, I think it's just really a bad look on the MLB 
testing someone's test comes back positive in the middle of a game. I think that's really poor uh, management by the MLB. You know, uh, like I want to agree on part of it because, like, I, I mean, I'm with you. Like, I'm very disappointed in how Major League Baseball handled this. But I've also been the one that's been saying I've been majorly disappointed with how they've handled the entire season. Like, they could have easily done something to restrict the amount of positive cases that they had throughout the season because they had by far been the most out of all the professional sports. And that's even out of the other ones that have been allowing travel, like the NFL and such. So, I I mean – I don't know. I, they were the latest professional organization I thought to come up with a plan. They were the man, like players versus the versus ownership and things of that. And the commissioner and things of that nature was never a smooth process. It's always been like, there's always been disgruntled behavior on either side of it. So I have never been a fan of how the MLB has handled this. And so that's where I'm kind of like with you, like, look, how are you going to show up? before the eighth inning and be like, hey, this guy's positive, yet he's been playing and touching the ball and t- and being out with his teammates and being out against the other team. Like, yeah, like, and if we're talking contact tracing, like we have been with every other professional organization, how many people has he been in contact with? Literally every person on that field. So I, I, I get it. But it's also still the thought of like, once you know, to me, it, I, I guess it has to become different. Like, and maybe not with his girlfriend, because yes, I'm sure they do live together, and I'm sure they do whatever it is that they do. And that, and if if you have it, like your your significant other probably also has it. So it's one thing, I guess. But I don't know. Like, you don't know who everybody comes into contact with. You don't know everybody's situation. And as bad as it was managed by the MLB, once you know. As horrible as it is, it's not that you can't celebrate. You just can't be celebrating in the dog pile, which I understand is like still like probably like the dream of everybody, but you're still a champ, man. And you're still putting on the ring. And that's the only issue I have with it. Once you know, I just feel like it has to take a different precedent just because of what it has meant for some people. There are people that have dealt with the most tragic result of it. And you have to keep that in mind, no matter how good the percentages are. So that, that, that's where I have my issue with Justin Turner. But other than that, like I, I will mostly blame the MLB with you. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of a crazy time to end with that being the result. The last thing you hear is, Oh, positive test, which that's how 2020 has been all year. But uh, LA, I know you're all celebrating. Try to cool down the riots down there with lighting up dumpsters and shooting off firecracks, but uh, firecrackers, but uh, you know, if one of my teams, one of my favorite professional teams, won, you know, a championship, I'd probably be doing the same. Probably not as extreme, though. But uh, L.A., you are champions once again within the same month. Yes, 100%. 100%. Congratulations to L.A. Congratulations to my friends that we have out in California. Shout out, Panna. Shout out, this little brother. Uh, and, I mean, I, I know that everybody's ecstatic out there. So, that's cool. Um, but... Let's get to it, man. You, I know you got some hot takes. I'm going to start off. We're going to go back in time to week six. I know it seems like forever ago. We apologize, but, uh, ladies and gentlemen, but we got to talk about it. We got to talk about it. I know this team doesn't get brought up much on our podcast because I do not like them. Um, shout out Hunter Wright for this one because he always tries to listen for our segment. Oh, here we go. Green Bay Boo Boo Packers getting waxed in week six by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Wax on, wax off. Master Muagir, whatever his name is. 38 to 10 for the Buccaneers against the Packers. And talking about Aaron Rodgers this, Aaron Rodgers that. Man, you did three pumps, and according to Kim uh, Peel, you don't do three pumps. You don't do three <laughs> pumps. 160 yards for zero touchdowns and two interceptions. Yes, you heard that right, ladies and gentlemen. Two interceptions. You know I was so happy. It was like a kid on Christmas Day seeing Aaron Rodgers throw no touchdowns and two picks and losing in a horrible fashion. I absolutely loved it. Is this Aaron Rodgers' decline? 
I think so. I think he's oh my goodness, head. No! I think he was exposed by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And oh, who who beat the Buccaneers? The Bears. We'll talk about them later on. But uh, Rogers is he on the decline? Uh, I love seeing Aaron Jones average one point five yards per carry. Granted, he had a touchdown, but I love seeing that. And yeah, the Packers losing. I mean, of course we got to talk about it. Okay. All right. We'll talk about it, but you got to slow down, man. All right. Like Aaron Rodgers has been the only person almost that probably could rival Russell Wilson up to this point for MVP of the league. And yes, it was probably the worst game I've ever seen him have, but you will never see that again. It's Aaron Rodgers. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's one of those performances where you're just so blown by. I mean, the game even started off weird. Like he thought he scored a touchdown, did the whole discount, uh, not even the, the Hingle McCringleberry, and then Hingle it got called back. Yes, the McCringleberry. Like how legendary is that? The man started off with a legendary start, and then that gets called back. Like it was already a bad, it was bad juju from the get go. But. It's I like I don't know if it's it's not necessarily more about Rodgers for me in this one as it is just about the Tampa Bay defense. Like I, I I know we're both big fantasy guys. Like I have the Buccaneers defense on one of my teams, and I sat them against the Packers because every person, every team coming into that had averaged three points or less against this Packers team. This has been the most dominant offense the entire season outside of maybe Seattle. So, I like it's one law, and that's the thing. Yeah, they got beat down thirty to ten. They lost by four touchdowns. Like whoa, to a team that you're did just lose to your your Bears, but still, the Buccaneers are no slouch. I picked them for as my Super Bowl contender, like number one seed beginning this season. Like this team is going to be incredible. They have all the weapons in the world on offense, and they have the goat at quarterback as far as like championships go now the Packers still have Aaron Rodgers who may be technically the most talented person to ever play the position I know that you may not want to hear that but like yes he had a bad game 160 yards two interceptions with no touchdowns a quarter a QBR of under 20 like that's probably the first and last time we will hear that kind of stat line from Aaron Rodgers and on top of that even with that loss Mickey they're four and one they're four and one they are 17 and four in their last 21 games. Like you can't you can't look at me and say that Aaron Rodgers is on the decline or that the Packers are on the decline because this is just one game and it's their first loss of the season. Honestly, this might just be like one of the other years that the Packers always have where they lose that one big game and it becomes a wake up call for them. That's what I believe it's going to be for them moving forward. Nope. You're wrong. I'm oh, to come God. back to this episode. So the Packers are on the decline. Aaron Rodgers on the decline. The one big thing about that, though, is love picks. Uh, their quarterback they drafted didn't come into the game at the very end of the Packers game when Aaron Rodgers was doing so bad, so he had to be replaced, and they didn't want to let him get hurt. But uh, he didn't go in, which was kind of an interesting take. You know, I mean, you can't register kids in the, the NFL, but, you know, we'll kind of let whatever Matt LaFleur wants to do there. But uh, I also want to key in real quick on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like you said, they are a fantastic team. So good. And it's just really cool to see the New England Patriots not do well. I mean, they lost 18 to 12 against the Broncos um, this week. And Tom Brady's over here just going off, showing people that he is the GOAT, that he doesn't need Bill Belichick. And uh, I saw one video saying Tristan Wirfs is one of the key things to give them a Super Bowl. Yes, I did see that. Which is so cool to see. And he's one of the, he is the highest rating offensive tackle, a rookie offensive tackle, according to PFF. And also with that, um, they just signed Antonio Brown. So, uh, yeah, the Buccaneers just got, you know, if they think they couldn't get better now, they are really, really good. Especially if Antonio Brown yeah. plays like he did. I know we went a little bit more in the future there. But, uh, yeah, that's all I got to say about that. Aaron Rodgers on the decline. Saying it now. All right. Aaron Rodgers is not on the decline, ladies and gentlemen. I do not listen to him. That is so disrespectful. It was one bad game. I understand that it was so bad that people were like, what the heck for Aaron Rodgers? But, guys, this is still Aaron Rodgers. I guarantee that in a game like that, he comes back every single time, bounces back, gets a W at least. If not, he throws three to four touchdowns. 
that's just how I feel about Aaron Rodgers after a bad game. That's just me. But yes, again with the Bucks, I still think one of the most electric offenses of all time, just on paper. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Rob Gronkowski, Ronald Jones is coming to his own as a solid running back option. Tom Brady is the GOAT by many people's standards, including mine. Like, what can you say about this? And like, not only that, do not sleep, guys. Gronk is getting his legs under him. Okay. Like he is he's starting to be Gronk again. I don't know. Like, I know I was saying that. Before the season, he'll be one of the best fantasy options at tight end. Yeah, he's starting to look like it now, but for a while I was worried. I was thinking, okay, maybe I spoke too soon, but no, this this guy's and people are trying to cover him with cornerbacks that are six inches smaller than him. Like it's gonna get ugly, especially like you said, now that they're signing Antonio Brown. But he actually made it back to the league and he's with Tom Brady and Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, Antonio Brown, and Rob Gonkowski. How do you cover it? I you can't even play man anymore. Like you have to play man, but you can't play man. I don't. I don't know. I'm so. Bl- Somebody get Coach Davis. Somebody get Coach Davis and let him talk to me, please. I, I I don't know what's going on, but I feel bad for offenses for defenses moving forward against this team. Yeah, no doubt. Um, sorry, defenses. Uh, that's gonna be a really tough cookie to crumble there in uh, Tampa Bay. But we're gonna see how they do. And real quick, I do want to talk about another game, if you do not mind. That being the Cowboys. I know we talked about the Dak injury yeah. against the Cardinals. And the reason why I want to bring this up is because we talked about how he, I think he should get paid. And this yeah. game made me realize that this man should get paid. And an embarrassing loss, similar score to the first game we talked about, 38-10. to 10, The Cowboys got destroyed by Kyler Murray in the hot Cardinals. And uh, Andy Dalton... You know, I mean, 266, he also had two picks and a touchdown. I mean, this is not good numbers. He threw the ball 54 times, and I don't know why you're giving the quarterback 54 throws in a game who is a backup. He still probably needs to get that, build up that team chemistry moving forward. But this is just a realization game that Dak Prescott is your quarterback for the future, and you need to pay the man. It's kind of one of those things. I was listening to another podcast, shout out uh, PMT, and it's you don't want – them to do well when you're gone so you can be like ha you need me at the same time you want your teammates to do well you want your team to win you know what i'm saying so when you're hurt you know it's kind of like ha you need me pay me my money give me my money but at the same time like i want my team to win i want to go to a super bowl all that just even though if i am hurt so i think this was a big realization game that the cowboys need Dak prescott but also a realization that kyle murray pretty pretty good um Kenny and Drake came alive as well with 164 for two touchdowns I mean he pretty much carried the Cardinals this game and I mean D hops is the second best if not the best receiver in the NFL yeah um I, I got a couple things to say on that honestly so first off like when it comes to Andy Dalton and stuff like I don't I don't mind that they let a backup quarterback technically throw 54 times because to me, Andy Dalton's not a backup quarterback. Like that man was a pro bowl quarterback multiple seasons. So like he's not, he is seasoned. It's not like, and it's not like just some average Joe stepping off the street and trying to play quarterback. Like he completed 34 of them. Like he had more, almost doubled the completions as he had incompletions. So I'm not really worried about that. But what I am worried about is that, this is an offense that supposedly has much many more weapons than what he had in Cincinnati. And yet you throw more interceptions and touchdowns. And like we're and I know we discussed it a little bit. We were saying, like, I felt bad for Dak because he hadn't been paid. And now here he is hurt. Like, what if Andy Dalton steps in and balls out and then all of a sudden he doesn't even have a job anymore? Now, I remember arguing with you previously. I never believed that Dak needed to get paid what we thought what he thought and what other people thought he needed to get paid just because I always said that he won against the teams that didn't matter that I want to, I want to eat my words on that. I really do. Yeah. Because, because because like, don't get me wrong. Last, last season when they have this great team on paper and they go eight and eight, don't make the playoffs or whatever, or seven and nine, whatever it was that they did, but they didn't make the playoffs and they choke at the end of the season with a team that everybody thinks is great, and the and they have an zero and six record against teams that are five hundred and above. Like to me, 
it showed me that, yes, while they had the number one offense statistically, yards, touchdowns, whatever, scoring, whatever, and he is the quarterback of that, like, as the as that star player, you have to produce wins when it matters. So I always held that against him. Now I'm just starting to realize, like, this team is just not what everyone thinks it is on paper. They have a, a coaching staff that they don't believe in, and nobody is producing the way they're supposed to. And the only thing that was the glue to this offense and made it even possible for them to do what they did statistically last year was Dak Prescott. Prescott. And so I will eat my words on everything I said before about him not deserving to get paid. Um, he definitely does. Um, I thought that the Cowboys had done did him dirty just with the process of how they were handling it, not necessarily that they weren't pay, paying him, but just of how they were handling the situation. Now, now you – this is the guy for the Cowboys if they have any chance of fixing it going forward. But I don't know. At this point, I'm ready to just say, if I'm Jerry Jones, blow it up. Blow the whole thing up. Because right now, they look awful. And you have a team that has all these weapons, yet they're half their O-line, which has been the staple for the Dallas Cowboys, is out with injury. You've got a backup quarterback that's now getting hit, throwing interceptions. You've got great receivers that have no quarterback to get them the ball, and you have no O-line to block for a superstar running back. Like right now, they are just – they're in trouble, and they are below 500, and the only thing that's saving them is the fact that their division is the worst of the NFL <laughs> history. Yeah, I mean, you better eat those words because Dak Prescott <laughs> for three straight games through over 450 yards. That is an NFL record. He's playing in our Madden League, like I was saying a few weeks ago. He was playing in our dang Madden League and balling out. He making them like he playing on rookie. All right. So Dak Prescott, I mean, definitely needs to get paid. And it stinks for, you know, Andy Dalton. You know, he can't produce with these weapons. I mean, on paper, this Cowboys team is so talented. But like you said, it is very lucky there in the NFC least because a team might go. It is statistically possible. I think a team can go like 5 and 12. No, 5 and 11. Or six and ten, and still make the playoffs because they win their division. out of that division. Absolutely, yes. I, I it is really still like, like it is crazy to me. Like not even just that, a team, Mickey, Mickey, a team could be five and eleven this season and host a playoff game and host, host, host. Oh my god, that hurts. But um, I will say also, I want to take a second. This game. As much as I do believe that Kyler Murray is a budding star in this league, this game was not about Kyler Murray. The man had nine completions, okay? I understand he had two touchdowns and no picks, but he had 188 yards and only nine completions, which only makes it worse for the Cowboys that the Cardinals dropped 38 points on them and they lost by four touchdowns. Like, you allowed a quarterback to throw nine times and – Still got your butt beat like that, like that. That's horrible on, from a defensive standpoint. But this game to me was about the emergence of. I'm not saying it's going to be an emergence. I'm not saying because it's he's not going to be featured every week. Not with DeAndre Hopkins on that team and Kyler Murray and Larry Fitzgerald, who is the second best receiver to Jerry Rice statistically. So like, it's not going to be about Kenny Drake, but for him to show up and have 164 yards and average eight yards a carry on the ground with two touchdowns, like that man put it on the on his back on Sunday, on uh, Monday night. So that it was incredible as far as he goes. I got to feel love for him because he's a former Dolphin, so you gotta, I know I got to show love. But I don't want everyone to sit here and say that this game was about Kyler Murray, okay? Like there's going to be better things to talk about when it comes to Kyler Murray, but he's great. But this game wasn't about him either. Come on, guys. Let's let's look at it for what it was. The Cowboys have a horrible defense, the worst defense in the NFL statistically this season, and Kenyon Drake ran all over those fools. So that's how I'm looking at it. Yeah, I mean, he definitely did. I mean, that was the story of the game here. I'm not trying to, you know, hype up, you know, Kyle Murray that game. I mean, he played a winning game. I mean, two touchdowns. I mean, yeah, games. it was a game like, management. can't go wrong with that. Yeah, so, no. Uh, yeah. I mean, when you have nine completions and your QBR is still above 80, like, yeah, I can't really be mad. Yeah, moving forward, I'd love to hear what games you want to talk about. Uh, I probably think I know what game you definitely want to talk about. But we'll see. Uh, I mean, uh, so 
first off, can we talk the game that I thought personally was going to be great and that I even picked them to win? What the hell happened to Cleveland? Like, <laughs> like what? Cleveland, it, 38 to 7 in a rivalry game? Uh, that is so, like, that hurts. My soul, like, I get it. The Steelers have owned the Browns. They beat them, I think it's now 17 times in a row. So, like, I get that. But I really thought this might be like the Browns were four and one coming in. They're, they're hot. They, their offense is clicking for the first time, it seems, in how long. And then I don't know. It just, I had a feeling that this was going to be the time where the Cleveland Browns come in and upset the Steelers. And they get drummed by 30 points. And Baker Mayfield gets benched. Like, Baker Mayfield has to step up. If he doesn't step up, he's getting benched and he will not be on the field for any team. He will become a, a permanent backup. He will be like Blaine Gabbard is for Tampa Bay right now. <laughs> he has to throw his first pass in, like, six years, okay? Like, I, I don't – I. I don't know what to say because I like that. I like Baker Mayfield as a player. I love the attitude. I love people that like to be their own hype man and make themselves the underdog. But you're the number one pick, man. You're not really the underdog anymore. You have to start producing enough to show that you're worth it to be in all those prog- progressive commercials. Like that's that's a lot of hype for somebody that just hasn't produced yet to somebody that they have to like. I, I jumped on the Baker Mayfield hype train after his rookie year. I drafted him in fantasy. I thought he was going to be dominant as a sophomore. One of the worst sophomore slumps I've ever seen, and he really hasn't come out of it yet to this point because he hasn't beaten a quality team yet. So I'm waiting to see what happens with him. Whoa, whoa, whoa. What? Mr. Zizzy. What? The Cleveland Browns are would be – um, they're five and two right now. It's great to talk about a little in the future. Well, well, but yes, that is yeah. the best we'll record. A A. That is the best record the Browns have probably seen in years. I I'll get that. I get that. The Browns have fought a positive record. Who they and that is because of Baker Mayfield leading the way. Who they huh? beat to get to four and two? It don't matter. A win's a win. Whoa, 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 Zizzy. You can't tell me that matters because it does matter down the street. No, it doesn't. Wrong. The Browns are going to lose every game. They were the doormat of the NFL. When you walk into the NFL, you wipe your feet on the Cleveland Browns, and now they have a winning record in producing wins. Okay, I'm not, I'm not talking team. like they're the laughing stock of the NFL. I just said – They were, though. Um, no, they were. I'm not saying exactly. they are right now. I'm just, saying, I'm just saying, like, for them this week, it was just like this game was so hyped up. And then for them to get drummed by 31 – and they really don't have a quality win on their record. Like, come on, man! Like they're, okay. they're four and two, but they're a soft four and two. Yeah. Okay. Let me get to it now. Okay. The Pittsburgh Steelers are a wrong team. I mean, statistically, they are. They are. six. I mean, five and zero. Oh, they are the best team right now in the AFC in the NFL by their record, and it's because their defense is the real deal. The Iron Curtain. All right, if you're a Steelers fan, you gotta be so happy right now because that defense is scary, scary good. And it exposed Baker. I will say Baker kind of got hit in the mouth and didn't get right back up. Okay, but playing against the best defense in the NFL, per se, is a tough thing to do. And with this rivalry, they always know when the Browns or the Steelers are gonna lose. Kind of like, I mean, we never wanted to think about it, but when people think, oh, Cornell and Co., oh, Cornell is gonna lose again. Oh, ha, ha, ha. You know, that's how the people think about the Browns. I get it. It's it's still like, I don't care how good the defense is. He didn't break 120 yards, Mickey. Not even 120. He threw, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying he had a great game, but you can't just hop off your Baker train and say, oh, he's going to get bit. I'm not hopping off it. I'm just saying, like, there's a reason he got pulled at the end of that game because let's be real. Like, it's not like the games that they've won this year, have been through game management by Kevin Stepanski and where they run the ball through their opponent and then they let Baker play do play action and he has and he has a more comfortable look from the pocket. Like it has been game management style wins. I'm not saying that the Browns are a bad team at all because to be able to run the ball and ground and pound and then play defense and stand up and win games like that, like they're four and two. Even after getting drummed by 31, they're four and two. I'm not saying that the Browns are a bad team. 
I'm just saying that Baker Mayfield has to play better for them to be like this for me to give them credit. Now, don't get me wrong. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit, but still he has to play better and he has to do it. Okay. Any, yes, he didn't crack 120. He also had touchdown two picks. Okay. I mean, any quarterback that throws zero touchdowns, two interceptions has to do next week. Oh, Aaron Rodgers had that stat line. Yes. I personally would take Baker's stat line over Aaron Rodgers this week. Super Bowl champion. Aaron Rodgers is a Super Bowl champion and an all pro and a pro bowl quarterback every single season. That is a completely different standard. You can't hold that guy to that same thing. No, he can do better. You are saying Baker needs to do better. Um, so does Aaron Rodgers, right? Okay, for yeah, but that was one game because the entire season leading up to this, Aaron Rodgers has been the second best quarterback in the entire league. Baker Mayfield has not been. <laughs> okay, I'm just saying though, he had so much time. You're saying he's gonna get benched in a year. The man I'm not well, if he plays like best. that every week, he would. He'd be best start to Cleveland in how many years? But uh you're blasphemous. And um, I'm trying to defend Baker here because I think I, know, he had a I, I game, love the guy. I'm just saying it was one game. That's all I'm saying. I was just saying, like, for it to be as hyped up as a game as, as it was, I want to see the people that need to produce produce. And I haven't seen him produce in a meaningful game since his rookie season. It's been almost two years, so I'm waiting. No, and I understand. I mean, my last take about that game is I know they haven't really beat, you know, these great teams and whatnot, but they are beating teams, and that's not in Cleveland's way, and it's because Baker Mayfield's at the, you know, the head here. So I think they're going to be fine, and I just can't wait to keep, you know, hopefully they can get that running game back and see their future. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I hope I'm with you. I've said it even the last episode, like the Browns, are a team that I just – I want them to be – like, you can't hate on Cleveland. Like, n- everybody wants to see Cleveland do well if your favorite team doesn't do well. Like, in my eyes, I feel like it's that yes. But, I it's mean – Yes, but I have to say it like it is. And they won't be able to be that for, for everybody if Baker Mayfield doesn't play more consistently. I get it. They're still 4-2. They're in great position. But – they're in a division with the Steelers and the Ravens. It's still not necessarily the easiest for them to even make it as a wild card because one of those other teams is going to make it as a wild card, you know? Like, that's why I'm saying it's not that easy. They literally are already fighting for the second wild card spot, and they're not, like, and we're not even halfway through the season. So that's why I'm saying he has to be more consistent. But nevertheless, moving on, of course – you know where I'm going. It was Sunday, October 18th. I actually don't know if you said anything, but shout out to my sister, Haley Yankovich. It was her birthday on Sunday um, in week six. So it was also great to couple that with the fact that the Miami Dolphins shut out the New York Jets 24 to nothing. And we are, excuse me, um, th- three and three, um, s- second, second in the division. Second in the AFC East, New England. New England, where are you at? Um, Buffalo. Buffalo's gonna. Buffalo loses to Kansas City. We're one game back. Two was the stop. Hold, hold up, Mickey. It, it feels good over here in Miami. I, I was telling everybody that Miami Heat was going to the finals. Don't let me have a reason to start talking about the Dolphins maybe getting into playoff contention. Okay, like I, I know it's only. Oh, sorry about that. Don't know what happened, but anyway, um, yeah, I know it's the Jets. They're the worst team in the NFL by far. I don't even. That's not even a question. So, are we really like all that su- surprised about it? But I mean, it's it's the Dolphins, man. We're winning games when we need to. We're staying in contention. I'm just, I'm excited, man. I'm not gonna get delirious. I'm not gonna sit here and act like I pick them to win every single week because I'm realistic. I pick my bears too, but <laughs> but we are three and three, and we're one game back in the AFC East. Mickey, tell me how I feel. Um, you are feeling like an <laughs> idiot, <laughs> a fool, <laughs> Mister Zizzy. 
I can't believe those words even came out of your mouth. Sure, you're in the <laughs> AFC least. Yes, the East is terrible, whatever if you're AFC or NFC. All right. So the terrible. East, the, the, terrible. Stop, stop, stop. I gave you your time. All right. Now oh, take my time my to talk about these dolphins. I didn't even attack you. You should never put the Miami Dolphins in the same words as the Miami Heat, first of all. And <laughs> I think it is total blasphemous. That Ryan Fitzpatrick is not the starter. Tua came in, oh, two for two God. for nine yards, and now he's the starter it's, after Ryan Fitzpatrick had three touchdowns, 190 yards. That's sorry, but that's a twenty. That's a twenty point zero win. Stop, stop. This is Miami's in second place because of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Tua has nine yards all season. Mr. Yeah, he's Dizzy. two for two. <laughs> he's two for two. Congratulations. That's not hard. I'm pretty sure last year the punter, that being Pat O'Donnell, shot out pun o'clock for the Bears, was two for two on the year. He had a touchdown on one of them. It's not that hard when you throw two passes only. All right? Now, granted, the NFL, I'm not saying it's, like, not that hard. But anyway, Ryan Fitzpatrick gets a call saying, or he probably checked social media and saw, oh, I'm not the starter. Um, I threw three touchdowns. I skunked a NFL team. Granted, it's the Jets, and they're not even, you know, they're the trash water underneath the trash bag of the NFL. But, Mr. Zizzy, how do you bench a guy who had a decent game? I mean, I'm not saying it's spectacular, but it's Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic, baby. And Tua okay. has two okay. completions. We're all bound down to Tua. That is so disrespectful hey, hey, to hey, Ryan hey. Fitzmagic. Hey, I'm – I am not going to disrespect Fitzmagic. This Ryan Fitzpatrick, I have, I'm pretty sure I have shared it on my personal Facebook page. And anybody that wants to argue with me or have a side discussion on this on Twitter, feel free to at me. But I firmly believe that there's a case to be made that Ryan Fitzpatrick is the greatest teammate of all time yes. in the NFL. And because of that, he could, and it's like his stats really aren't all that bad for a career. So, like, because of that and the impact that he has had on so many different organizations and being a transition perfect bridge quarterback, there's a case in my mind to put him in the Hall of Fame. Like, this guy deserves the world in my mind. And, yes, to watch his interview after Tua got announced as the starter, and, like, it's heartbreaking, man, because you know how hard somebody puts in in the work to do what he was doing because he was playing great. He had top five QBR rating the last three weeks. I'm not saying that pulling Fitzpatrick, like I'm not, like there's nothing against, like to me there's nothing against Ryan Fitzpatrick as the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins. I hope we hang on to him. I hope we don't get rid of him. He still needs to be on the roster because he's just that influential as a teammate. And so I want him, like, to see him cheering on Tua and stuff when Tua finally got on the field and stuff. Like, obviously, he didn't know he was going to lose his job to him the next day. But, like, still, like, that's the type of energy and vibe that you want from anybody on your team. And this guy does it every single where, the, every single place and team that he lands. So, shout out to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Like, I appreciate everything that he did. But this has been the plan all along. We didn't draft Tua Tagovailoa to not be our starting quarterback. Like we drafted him at number five to be our starting quarterback this season. Granted, nobody knew when that was going to be, but it was still going to be this season regardless. And everyone I know wants to come out and say like, well, what if he gets hurt? What if he gets hurt? There's still going to be that same level of fear of him getting hurt, getting hurt, whether we start him now or whether we start him in week 15. It doesn't matter because that fear is always going to be the same. Now, granted, I'm not the happiest that Aaron Donald's going to be the person lining up against him for the first time, but our offensive line has actually only allowed 10 sacks this season. It's the best our offensive line has played in the last decade. So I'm not like as worried about him like just getting absolutely demolished and beat up back there. On top of that, Brian Flores has made every correct decision he had like possible since he has became the coach of the Miami Dolphins. If he says that they're that two is ready, why would we not believe him right now? Because the Miami has done nothing but gone on a positive trend since he's got there. So for me, okay, that's the plan. And I guess from what I've heard, the original plan with Miami was he was going to start after the bye week, no matter what our, our original bye week before schedule stuff got changed up was going to be week 10. 
So he was going to be playing later on in the season. So they moved the bye week up. They said, okay, they're going to stick to their plan. He's playing after the bye week. He gets two full weeks to prepare. And if he's healthy, he's the greatest statistical quarterback in college football history and one of the most accurate that anybody has ever seen. He could be our next Dan Marino. It's a lot of expectation to put on him. I know it's a lot of pressure, and it. I'll be obviously I'll be upset because Justin Herbert out there is balling, and we could have gotten him too. But like, this is the guy for the Miami Dolphins moving forward, and that's what I'm saying. Like, what is the difference between playing him now and later? If our team is competitive and able to win with Ryan Fitzpatrick, then I'm hopeful we can do the same, if not better, with Tua Tagovailoa. This guy is our future moving forward. He's only thrown two passes against the Jets in garbage time. I get that. But there is a thing as what coaches see in practice and behind the scenes work. You know that from watching Hard Knocks. Like, come on, Mickey. This guy can be ready. And you know that he has the talent and skill set to do so. So I just want everybody to get off his back. I'm ready for Tua time. Are you off your soapbox? <laughs> oh, Mr. Zizzy, this is my last take about this game, and I am done talking about this topic after this. But uh, I'm going to – hot take alert, hot, hot take alert. I still think Jalen Hurts is a better quarterback than two a time. Oh. Take, I know, and I, I, I believe the stats. Oh. I look at the stats. You know, we talked about earlier about numbers game. And, I mean, I get that he's going to be the real deal, and I hate the whole, like, oh, what if he gets hurt? What if he gets hurt? I hate playing the fear game, so I'm not even going to debate it. It's stupid. Like you said, it's what's the difference between now and later? He's 100% healthy, according to the doctors, according to the team doctor. Yes, yes, you know? yes. So that's my thing on that. Like, I completely agree with you there. But I just don't think – I mean, I hopefully I'm proved wrong, but I cannot firmly believe walking into this episode saying that Tua – is my starting quarterback right now. And maybe I'm wrong, you know. I'm not saying, like, this is a super hot, hot take. Like, this is just my belief, and I hope I'm proven wrong. And I can be. You know, I'm not 100% bought in. I'm not 100% bought out. But uh, that was my last take about your Dolphins. Yes, they're 3-3. Three and three. Buffalo Bills are going to run that division like a track race. But Oh, uh, stop it. But, yes. All right. And I have no other games to talk about. But if you want to bring up any more. No, I'm actually good. I think I think with week six, that that that's a good portion to talk about everybody. I do uh, have one quick take, my last last uh, take. Okay. okay. I want to say how mature I was this uh, week in our episode, and not doing a recap about the Bears on our episode on our. Podcast. You know what? I was about to say. I was going to say. Do yep. you have one last? Nope. Take? Are you sure? No, you're- I'm. I'm not going to bring up the Chicago Bears in this episode. Uh, talk about the team or how they played against the team that they played. Um, hey, a big maturity what? moment for uh, Mickey over here. Hey, I, I, I'm very proud of you, first off, for being able to at least even attempt it. Um, as far as not talking about Chicago, obviously you got to throw their name out there a little bit. So, I mean, it's not like you're not going to say anything. But, yes, they did still win, and they're doing okay. And I – I still believe Nick Foles should be the starter, but we're not going to get into that. Anyway, uh, yes, so I'm proud of you. Good stuff. I can't do the same because the Dolphins are out here. So, if you're talking sports, it's the matchup. Mickey Rizzi, I'll be cutting it up. Just a couple athletic enthusiasts. You know what it is. This is the Mickey Zizzy podcast. Sign us off, Mickey. Peace. Peace.